Konnichiwa and welcome to the Board Game Dojo's Quick Hit series where we go over a small topic in about 10 to 15 minutes. Today is our monthly Quick Hits and Misses episode where we go over some of the games we played last month. A bit of housekeeping to get out of the way first, I want to shout a loud thank you to Discord user Aaron for correcting our rules of llama. In last month's Hits and Misses episode, we talked about not liking the game too much but explaining the rules and they told us hey, part of that reason is probably because you're playing it wrong. We went back and played it again correctly this time and still weren't huge fans of it, but I really appreciate the interaction for two reasons. A, because I just like playing games correctly, but B, because I like talking with the listeners and watchers of the board game Dojo. Please let me know anytime if I'm ever wrong, which I'm sure is totally never the case, but also if you ever just want to chat about games in general. The other thing is that if you watched or listened to our holiday gift guide episode, you know that we are giving away a new game every week. Last week's game was Anansi, and we will reveal the winner of that and the new game to win during today's show. Now let's get going on the reviews for this month. The first thing to talk about is Wingspan Asia and the Nesting Box. This seems to be in the new line that Stuemeyer is doing of new expansions plus a big organizational tool, as they also recently did it with the new Viticulture World expansion and Wine Crate. Now the Wine Crate quickly sold out and won't be available until 2023, or at least that's what the customer service agent I emailed said, so I figured that if there was any chance that I would be interested in the nesting box, I better order it now. And those of you that listened to last month's episode knows that my wife has been obsessed with Wingspan lately, so I put those chances at non-zero and ordered it. So let's talk about the nesting box first. This thing is massive, but I guess that's to be expected of an organizational trunk that is supposed to be future-proof. It's a three-layer box that comes with some additional organization like card slots, placards to separate which cards are from what expansion, and game tray looking things to help dole out the components between players. But I think what I actually like best about it is that it allows you to keep and use anything you've gained along the way if you've already heavily invested in the game. For example, if you're like me and bought 3D components, those fit. If you got custom meeples, those fit. If you sleeved your cards, those fit. If you bought the rubber playmats to replace the boards, hey, those fit. You may have to go in a different organizational path than what the box says to do, but they do fit and there's plenty of room left for more. I think this is extremely smart and had actually worried me while I was waiting for it to arrive. I've had multiple occasions where I've bought an organizer for the game, but the premium components like metal coins, sleeved cards, or geek up bits just didn't fit, which meant I was either wasting money on the organization that I couldn't use or the premium components. Sure, you could say I don't need either, but I'd like to improve my favorite games when I can to help bring them to the table more. I think having Wingspan in the nesting box, and it being easy to use and take out what I need for different setups, is a definite plus. The other part of this is the Wingspan Asia expansion. There are a couple of selling points for the expansion. The fact that it's a standalone 1-2 player game. The fact that it could be a 6-7 player game, although I question how many people actually want to play it at that count. And the different birds. We haven't tried the Wingspan Duet mode yet, but we have tried the different birds, and importantly, these now include push-your-luck elements. These elements are small, but definitely will push you further into whatever feeling direction you already feel about the game. These birds work in a way that either you draw bird cards or re-roll the dice in ways that can either gain you points or make you bust. For example, there are new birds that you can draw as many bird cards as you want, and after each bird you can choose to stop or continue, unless you go over 110 centimeters in total wingspan. If you go over, you bust, and those cards are all discarded. However, let's say you draw 5 tiny birds and then choose to stop, that's now 5 points. You can do something similar with dice. Some birds might say something like, roll 2 dice and if you roll a worm or fish, you get to cache it on reroll. Cache? Cache? It? Hmm. So you can continue getting points if you keep re-rolling a worm or a fish, but if you don't roll either one, you bust. 
all of the mechanisms are all or nothing. Some have complained about the randomness of the birds, and this just elevates that exponentially. In our first game with these new birds, we had the widest point discrepancy we've ever played with, partially because my wife had amazing luck with her push-your-luck birds. I think they amassed something like 25 points, whereas my birds that weren't so good at hunting scored 1 or 2 points. There was really no coming back from that. But that wasn't really a bad thing. I'm speaking from the point of view of someone that bought the expansion for the variety, and these push-your-luck birds, on top of the normal additional birds, gave the cards a rejuvenation. Because it's an expand-alone game, it comes with a ton of new birds, meaning that you'll have lots of great new artwork to look at and new birds to learn about. So if you're like me, this expansion is a great new addition, and I'm looking forward to trying out the specific two-player game, especially since it's my favorite player count to play Wingspan at already. The only lingering question for me about Wingspan is about the additional cards in general. At this point, now that I have the nesting box, I'm basically going to be ordering the new expansions for the cards, taking it out of their respective new boxes, tossing it into the nesting box, and throwing the expansion box away. I think if Stonemeyer wasn't already thinking about it, they need to start going towards the option of bird booster packs. Feels like I would be equally happy having the option to just have them ship me the new bird cards and save on the cardboard. Plus I could easily imagine going to Target or Walmart where I know they sell it now and just grabbing the booster pack for Antarctica or Africa instead of buying a whole big box. I just know that I'm now in the camp that all I really want from Wingspan now is some more birds and if I could, instead of buying a whole box, just buy some cards, I'd be okay with that. The next two games we talk about are two simple dessert-themed card games aimed at families, but are very different in how well they do that, I think. The first one is Just Desserts. In Just Desserts, you are the owner of a cafe that serves different desserts and need to feed the customers coming in. They'll say what kind of dessert they like, and the card will show what kinds of foods make up that dessert. Let's give the example of apple pie a la mode. It's a fruit, plus pie, plus ice cream. Now, in your hand, you'll have a variety of desserts. The best one, of course, would be the perfect match, apple pie a la mode. You can easily feed the customer by playing that. However, let's say you don't have that. You could also feed them by playing a blueberry pie card because it's a fruit plus pie, and a chocolate ice cream card because that's ice cream and chocolate. You're wasting the chocolate part, but no big deal, you can feed the customer and you can take that customer card. It really is that simple, and for that I think it makes the game one of the most annoying games to tell you about. I neither like it or dislike it, I just feel completely indifferent playing it. I don't really think about it while I'm playing it, and that's kind of a problem. But at the same time, it makes for a decent family game because kids can understand it easily and the desserts on the cards are enjoyable to look at. I'm not sure how much of a game is there, it really is just hoping you draw a good card, and if you have the right cards in your hands, you play it. There's no real thought to it. So if you have young kids who you want to teach games to, I think it's a decent game for that, but otherwise I'm glad I only paid $5 for it. On the other hand, you have Go Nuts for Donuts, and this is probably a terrible family game, even though it looks like the perfect one. In Go Nuts for Donuts, there'll be five donuts at the table, numbered in positions one to five. Everyone will choose the one they want by picking that numbered card from their hand. You'll count down three, two, one, show, and show which number everyone picked. If multiple people pick the same number, nobody gets that donut and the donut is discarded. If nobody else picked the same donut, that person gets to keep it. It's a straightforward mechanic that has been used in card games and even Mario Party, and oh man can it lead to tempers. It just isn't very fun when you are halfway through the game and don't have any points. And I've had games where somebody will have 8, 10, 12 points, and I'm sitting there with zero donuts and zero points because I just keep picking the same donuts as someone else. And then I fall behind, and so I need the donuts worth more points so I can maybe come back, but everyone else wants those donuts too, so I just continue to score nothing. And sure, there are games of it when it's fun, don't get me wrong, it's a strange game where you probably won't do just okay at it, but rather you'll either have a great game or a terrible one. And that makes it probably a terrible family game, because kids will get mad and annoyed at not scoring points, and adults will too. 
In fact, just to check that it wasn't just me, I mean, I'm new to this, so maybe my impressions are off. And I've never seen a Tom Vassell review where he's angrier than when he played this game. It's a decent game, but if you're in a group that might have tempers flare, stay clear away from this one. There are some expansions that change a game from fun to collection staples, and I want to talk about two of them because they both made their way to my table this last month. Viticulture is a fun game about running a vineyard. You'll plant grapevines, give tours, make wines, and fulfill the objectives that prospective buyers want, like a nice sparkling wine or a cheap red. All the while, you'll be building structures to hopefully improve your ability to do these things. The base game was fun, an enjoyable worker placement game that can be somewhat longer than necessary, but also thematic and interesting. It was a game I brought out occasionally, but it wasn't on the forefront of my mind for game nights unless someone is especially interested in wine. That all changed with the Tuscany expansion, and I have to say now that I don't think you've played Viticulture correctly until you've played with Tuscany. The biggest thing is the expanded board that breaks the seasons into four instead of two. This gives another chance for players to build structures and improve their vineyards in the fall, as well as adding some interesting options like trading excess cards for wine or points. The other thing the new board does is give more rewards for wake-up rows. In the base game, you get one reward depending on where you place your wake-up rooster, but with the expansion, you may get a reward each season. What this means is that it doesn't take as long to get your engine going and get into the crux of the game. It reminds me of the Prelude expansion for Terraforming Mars, which just got the game going faster and became essential for a game that for me goes on way too long, partially because it takes so long to really, truly start. There are also special workers and structures that'll let you explore because adding them to the game is surprising and leads to a lot more interesting and tough decisions. But seriously, if you haven't played Viticulture with Tuscany and maybe found the game a bit tedious, try it again with Tuscany expansion. It may open the game up too much for some who favor worker placement games like Agricola that have tough, limited, cutthroat decisions, but for me, it's the perfect balance. The other one I want to talk about is a game that for the life of me, I cannot find others who like as much as me, King of Tokyo. King of Tokyo is a King of the Hill style game in which at the start of each turn, a player will roll six dice, and these will show one of six sides, one, two, or three victory points, energy, heal, and attack. Over three successive throws, choose whether to keep or discard each die in order to win victory points, gain energy, restore health, or attack other players. One player will be occupying Tokyo and earn extra victory points, but that player can't heal and must face all the other monsters alone who are all attacking them. With energy, players can buy special powers, gain even more points, or do extra damage. But with the base game, it could go on a long time, and hearts weren't especially interesting to get unless you needed health. It also didn't matter what monster you got. But that's where Power Up comes in. Power Up makes the different monsters have different powers. Some are better at fighting, some are better at defense, some poison or freeze the others. And you get these special powers by rolling three hearts. So it makes hearts worthwhile, so you can get superpowers, and it makes the different monsters interesting. It makes you more attached to your monster, and it creates a more chaotic environment, which is where this game really shines. I think the game is best when people want to be a bit violent, a bit chaotic, and a bit silly. If taken too seriously, sure, you can point out the randomness, the overpowered nature of some of the cards, but that's just not really the right mindset to go into it with. I now don't even introduce the game without the power-up expansion because it helps players get into the right mood. Because you're a fierce mega dragon that has a flamethrower just sounds amazingly fun. So that's all for today's podcast. The winner of Anansi is YouTube user Jeremy Young. Congratulations, please email me at boardgamedojopodcast at gmail.com with your address and we will get your copy sent out. The next game we will be giving away is Yoda Yoda Penguin, the fantastic dexterity game that we covered as our first ever video. 
Remember, you can enter into the giveaway by commenting on our YouTube videos and leaving a five-star review with a comment on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for joining us. Janne.